another exciting episode of the Losing Sucks Fantasy Football Podcast. As always, I'm your host, Dustin Blanton, along with my co-host, Travis Masterson. What's going on, man? Football, baby. You're dang right. Episode 10, we're in the double digits already. We Putting in work. We finally peaked. We've, we've made it. It's draft season. We've got... Oh, man, leagues are, leagues are finally kicking off. Uh, we've still got our home draft next week. In-person leagues. In-person. Yep, going to be wearing my jersey. Get to break up my Justin Fields jersey. Who are you wearing this year? You, uh, you still rocking Mahomes? I feel like I need to rock Mahomes coming off of yet another championship, making it a fourth draft party in a row as a defending champ. I might have to just stay. Why would I change the jersey that keeps bringing me the ring? Yeah, I mean, at this point, you know, why not? You're so in that league, you're actually spending a third round pick on Mahomes, and boy, that feels good. That feels good. I have no choice. He's my identity yeah, in that league. Right. And I'm glad you identify as Patrick Mahomes. Because <laughs> of all the football players that I could identify as, that would be, that would be number one. That's uh, a wealthy identification right there. Yeah, that's he's the half a billion dollar man. Yep. Well, that's good. I'm looking forward to that. Yeah, we got a bunch of bunch of drafts. Um, you, you know, know we're going to have at all the these in-person draft parties. What's that? My second favorite thing outside of the draft itself is the amount of sauces that we're going to get to choose uh. from. And analyze. Okay. I'm a huge sauce guy. Are you a sauce you're, guy? You're a sauce guy. It depends. I like to have sauce with different meals. If I'm getting like some wings, you know, you can, look, first of all, if you're a psychopath that eats wings without sauce, please just turn off the show. Okay. But if I'm going somewhere and I'm having some wings and you know, the sauce has got to be there. Like if I know your sauce is not good, like I, there's a good chance I'm not coming back. Right. I, well, I mean, I'm on a different level. I'm talking food for me is a vehicle for the sauce. Oh, so you go for the sauce. Like, the sauce is the, the goal. The food is just something that comes with the sauce. Exactly. The food is not the reason why I would choose a certain restaurant. If they have a killer sauce, I'm okay. going there for that sauce. What's, what's your Mount Rushmore of sauces? Like, what, what are some sauces that stand out to you? Like, you know, like, this is a restaurant I go to, but I go for the sauce. I'm a huge barbecue sauce fan. Uh, I used to be a really big honey mustard fan. If that's the thing is, you can go so wrong with honey mustard mm-hmm. or barbecue sauce or ranch. Like you've sure. got to get a good one, a jalapeno ranch, a poblano ranch. They have to hit, or it can ruin yeah. the meal for me. Whereas ketchup, yeah. everybody's gonna have a decent ketchup. Sure, I've, I've had. But some, if you I've say w- this is chicken tenders with barbecue sauce, and you bring out some bull barbecue sauce we got a problem yeah oh for sure i've had some that are too smoky it's like what what did you do to this like this it was it was okay but then you've ruined my chicken tenders and now i as an adult i am upset i'm a big sauce sauce guy all the time any any meal breakfast lunch dinner my first thought is what can i put on this food anyway so for (laughs) so for the episode today man uh to smoothly transition into the meat of the wing of this of this episode. We're talking about some some guys at each position that look, 
they may not finish as the number one at their position, but we're going to try and make the case for what would possibly have to happen for each one of these guys to finish as the number one overall quarterback or the number one overall tight end. You know, we're going to we're going to break down who, you know what what would need to happen in this season because as we found out to finish as the number one in any position, you kind of need an outlier an anomaly year. You need some things to break your way to be that number one receiver because every year Devontae Adams is not going to be the wide receiver one. So we're going to break that down. I'm looking forward to hearing some some really hard pressing arguments to get these guys up into the, the number one spot. So let's let's kick it off with quarterback this year. Who's your quarterback pick that you think could be the quarterback one overall? So I think the premise of this, just to reiterate, we are not here saying, and don't quote us and take it to Twitter and say, oh, these guys on Losing Sucks said this guy is the number one quarterback this year. That's not what we're doing. Obviously, these guys are a long shot to finish as the QB one overall or wide receiver one, whatever position we're talking about. But of the guys not finishing inside of the top 10 last year, who has a shot to do it if anybody does? That's kind of the, the approach that we took to this. Caveat being yeah, outside the top 10. Right. So my guy's Dak Prescott. Yes, he finished outside the top 10 because of injury. I do realize that he was, before injury last year, the number one overall quarterback in fantasy through the first four and a half, five games. Um. The number one argument that I hear against Dak last year, and nobody hates Dak's fantasy outlook. He didn't have an ankle. Yeah, well, yeah. before it. Yeah, he has he has 50% more ankles this year than he did last this year. This is true. Before injury, people say they were in five shootout games. They were coming from behind. Their defense was giving up everything. This is very true. I don't know that their defense changed a ton. They did have a high draft pick. Parsons looks great. We've all seen him on hard knocks. I really like Dan Quinn as a defensive coordinator. I think they start to turn that around big time. Um, but when you look back at 2019, that's Dak's last full season. Where did he finish? He was the number two overall quarterback. So it's not like we just have a five-game sample of him being able to do this in that offense with a healthy, elite offensive line, Zeke behind him, and then we haven't even talked about Amari Cooper, CeeDee Lamb, they're loaded. They're absolutely loaded everywhere. Nobody's going to be able to stop this offense. Um, I mean, unless Andy Dalton comes back and is their quarterback. I mean, he, he did a pretty good. Yes, barring, <laughs> barring injury to the specific right. person that I'm talking about, <laughs> then yes. If Dak does get yeah. hurt, sure, the Cowboys won't be as good, and he will certainly not finish inside of that top 10 or have a chance at the one. Um, but even this year... Vegas's projection for Dak is to throw for the second most yards mm -hmm. behind only Mahomes. And I kind of agree with that. I think they're just going to be in a lot of shootouts and they have the weapons to for keep sure. up with anybody. So I'm excited to watch Dak. I think me living in Dallas now, I've paid a lot more attention to it, not just because of hard knocks, but I'm here. Right. I might as well know the guys really well that are I mean, here that everybody had, loves. So I, you're, you're drafting Dak in a lot of mocks. True. So, you must love him too, and Dak's even in the good. fifth round, I mean, you love Dak. Look, the talent's kind of undeniable. Is he a surefire Hall of Fame talent? Probably not, but he plays on a team that passed. I mean, last year they were number two in pass attempts. 
it's not a secret that they're going to have to yeah. probably come from behind. I'm not banking on the the defense being you know one of the worst in the league again. I think defenses kind of tend to improve, um, but the offense, yep. the weapons are undeniable. Just health overall. I mean, the offensive line was in shambles last year, so it's not hard to see an argument for Dak Prescott being a n- the number one overall quarterback this year, especially tied to that offense. You don't have to try hard to get him there. You know, he's already there. You know, seeing what we saw last year, you can't just take that four game sample and extrapolate it over the entire season. But the capabilities there, he's efficient. So I could see it. it. There's an easy path. Yeah, I mean, he just did it in 2019 without without CD. Sure. And now he's got that, that weapon. I am so excited. I'm not a Cowboys fan by any means, but I'm excited to watch that team. Yeah, I am too. My last question for you on, on Dak before we move on is, okay, he's going a round or two behind Allen, Kyler Murray, and Lamar. Do you think he belongs okay. in that group? Should he go in that third, fourth? Is it a steal in the fifth round compared to spending an, a, a round or two higher? I would say no, and I think I, I don't think he should be going that high. One, because he, he is a quarterback who can run. He is not a running quarterback. And I think that's the difference right. between you know Lamar, Kyler, and Allen is that they, they are running quarterbacks. You know, Kyler Murray, yes, he, you know, I ignore all the talk about, oh, he wants to run less. Yeah, of course you want your quarterback to run less. Like, you don't want to expose your, your main weapon. <laughs> Until the game's going exactly. on. Exactly. It's like, oh, man, it's third and 12. Until you want to win. Yeah, like now, yeah, run if you, if you have to. No, it, he doesn't have to run for 1,000 yards. But Kyler Murray, Lamar Jackson. I'd really like a first down right now. Right. I can get to that orange stick. Dak, but I'm not going to because earlier in the offseason, sure. I said I won't run as much. Dak is not. One, ignoring health concerns, but they're very real. Dak just doesn't hit me. He runs when needed. Um, he can pick up a short first down. You know, he's, he's athletic. But no, I don't think that he, he doesn't offer the same upside in terms of rushing ability that, you know, the other guys do. So because he doesn't run like the guy you're going to talk about, Dak almost needs to throw for about 50 touchdowns to have a look at that QB1. QB number one. Sure. Uh, to get into that, that, you know, top five zone. He either needs to run for you know close to 800 yards and throw you know mid 30s touchdowns, or he's going to have to get into the mid 40 touchdowns. Have a you know like I said an anomaly yeah. year, which again we've talked about the offense. It can happen. That's where it needs to happen. Unlike this guy that I want to bring up, Jalen Hurts. Again, we're making the argument for him. An interdivision rival. Exactly. And look, I'm not the biggest Jalen Hurts fan, but I can't ignore. The, the talent or the opportunity that, that he has, even with them bringing in uh, some really strong competition, the former number one quarterback for the Jacksonville Jaguars now. Um, you Big know, up news. Until last week, he was going to be the starting quarterback for that team. Um, they just go and trade him. And, uh, but all kidding aside, Jalen Hurts started four games last year, and one of those games he ran uh, – or in one of the games that he played last year, he ran for over 100 yards against New Orleans. Am I saying he's going to run for 100 yards every game? No, but he ran for 350 yards in four, ga- in four starts last year um, with only starting four games, mind you. The talent is there. Like, That's insane. He's a 1,000-yard rusher. He has, the, he, has the, he has the opportunity to be. 
With 17 games? Sure. With, well, I so I always go for a, a per game basis now because like I don't I hate when people like give me like oh he's definitely gonna run for a thousand yards this year. Awesome. Well, everyone else has that extra game now. So like him running for a thousand yards, like sure, but like Lamar could also run for a thousand. Kyler could run for a thousand. Like we have to we yeah. have to kind of change where the bar is a little bit. So look, he. So when you when you go into a Sunday morning and you're looking at the Eagles game before kickoff, if I were to say, do you think Jalen Hurts is running for 58 yards over under? Um, each game I would say over. I could I could definitely see him getting over that because him especially with these rushing quarterbacks, 60 yards is not crazy, you know, especially with how much they run. Right. And 800 yards, you know, and if you want to call that an anomaly season, which was for Kyler Murray last year, uh, you know, last year, Kyler ran for like 800 some odd yards. And that was enough to put him as the, the quarterback one, essentially. Um, the year before his rookie season, he ran for 500 yards. So, I definitely see Jalen Hurts getting to that 800-yard mark. Just with how he plays, they like to yeah. move him outside the pocket. Um, granted, new head coach, but you want that rushing upside? He doesn't have to throw for 40 touchdowns. He can throw for 30, you know, high 20s touchdowns. And, you know, again, to reach that number one potential, he, he could get, you know, 10, 11 touchdowns on the ground, 800 yards on the ground. If he runs for 60 yards a game, that's an extra touchdown that he doesn't have to throw that you get points for. You know, he runs right. for a few. For- that's a great way to think about and it. And that's the that's you know the thought process behind drafting these rushing upside quarterbacks. They need less huge plays to happen. They just need five 12-yard runs, if you want to think about it. Those are first downs. He runs for five first downs in a game, and boom. You go ahead and get an extra touchdown. In a lot of leagues, you know, a passing touchdown being four points. If he runs for forty yards, which again, very doable, that's an extra touchdown that you don't. He doesn't have to throw. So, yeah, I think his yeah. upside is there. And no, the the team isn't going to win the division most likely, and they're not going to be a playoff team. But being behind, throwing more, rushing more, having more offensive opportunities because that defense is going to be absolutely Swiss cheese. Yeah, I like I like Jalen Hurts upside, and I don't think you have to try very hard again. With same thing with Dak Prescott to see him see his upside. Will he get to the number one overall? That would take a special special season. He doesn't have a, a DeAndre Hopkins, but he could he could do it though. He could he could do it. He could, and that's why I wouldn't I wouldn't bet a whole lot of money that he's not gonna do it. Like I wouldn't feel if someone said, "Hey, possible. give me like five hundred bucks uh, for Jalen Hurts being the number one overall quarterback." I'd feel I'd feel really uneasy about taking that bet yeah um yeah because you know it's it it feels like in general in the fantasy community everybody was so high on him one of our first episodes we were talking about oh jalen hurts is there in the fifth or sixth round sure that's an auto pick for us right and then for some reason because his name is not in people's mouths or the health of his receivers whatever the case is yeah he started sliding and then you see him in the sixth seventh i'm getting him in the eighth round it's because deshaun watson man one of my home leagues <laughs> that, that that those rumors coming out that oh they were looking oh that is they were yeah that's a good point that is what watson it was and oh he was going that because that one uh chapasso tweet that turned out like oh the, things are heating up <laughs> jalen hurts could be traded like oh we can't touch him it did it plummeted his stock i'll touch him yeah whoa easy there okay that came off wrong <laughs> I will draft you him. You really like him. I will draft him. 
<laughs> Let's move on to the wide receiver position. You can go first. We'll keep alternating. I really like your pick. You like it because you're a because you're a Bears fan. My guy's Allen Robinson. And I don't think the argument for Allen Robinson to finish up there is that hard. I I do have some points that are just kind of eyebrow raisers. He's number three in targets in twenty twenty. Okay. That's not an anomaly. He was number three in targets in 2019, too. He's got a very good chance to do that again. I like Mooney. I, I like Mooney. For sure. I think he's going to be a very valuable asset in fantasy. He doesn't come close to touching the alpha status that Allen Robinson has in that offense. Um, he's been a wide receiver one. He's been a top 12 guy in two of the last three years. He did that in 2020 last year without one single 20-point fantasy week, which is mind-boggling. Everybody has an outlier week or two. Like, when you look at the top receivers, all wide receiver ones are going over 20 multiple times. Um, and a lot of that's because of touchdowns. He, he just didn't get the touchdowns last year. He finished with six touchdowns. If you give him the average touchdown amount, between those top eight guys, if you just take number one through eight from last year, take the average of, of their touchdown totals and give Allen Robinson the average, not even above average, just a regular average, he goes from wide receiver 12 to wide receiver four. So it is a huge jump. If he finishes even slightly above average, you give him one or two more, he's got a chance to jump into that top three and potentially number one if there's a little regression or whatever from a Tyreek or Devontae. The offense has been anemic the last couple of years. Um playing with Mitch and then you had Foles last year. Allen Robinson can you know competing at, at the level he has been the last few years. He's a sensational wide receiver. I'm I do see Andy Dalton as an upgrade. Obviously Justin Fields, great prospect. But this season I'm not banking on him being that guy this year. I just don't see it for the offense. Transition and quarterback. Again, I love Justin Fields. Got his jersey. He's my guy. But putting that aside and being a fantasy realist, Allen Robinson probably doesn't have the same scenario as, you know, uh, you know, Devontae Adams or uh, you know Tyreek Hill, obviously, for obvious reasons. But the targets are Yeah, be the there. quarterback play is not there, but the volume, the volume not even there. just in his own targets. Right. That as a team, the Bears were number eight in the NFL. They're they're throwing the ball for sure. Top third of the league. Right. Top twenty five percent of the league, really. My only reservation and, is a rookie quarterback. Because we are going to see Justin Fields for whether it's a you know, a quarter of the season, a half a season, most yeah, of the season. Yeah, we will. We will. Rookie quarterbacks struggle to support a wide receiver one in general, but the wide receiver one is going to be a stretch. And look, I, yeah. I love the I love the dude. I would even say, and I'm gonna I wanna remember that we said this, I think we may be just a year early on Allen Robinson being that potential wide receiver overall, you know, one, because if he comes back to the Bears and you know they make a push and they have a great year and everyone comes back next year and improve Justin Fields out a second year Justin Fields with Allen Robinson, that would be probably the best quarterback play he's seen. That is someone I would be very interested in making yeah. that argument for. Gosh, that would be someone, I think, look, Allen Robinson has only played with the best quarterback that he's had in you know, Blake Bortles. This is crazy. The guy has insane talent. And 
Yeah, he's great. I just think we may be a year. The one thing that I saw, too, when I looked at the top three, what do those three guys have in common outside of their production on the field mm -hmm. is they're the clear number one alpha receiver who's going to be forced the ball. Right. And he has that. Yeah. They're going to force him the ball. It's always been forced to him. I don't see that changing. If you get an upgrade in quarterback play and a little bit of positive regression in the touchdown right. area, he's going to climb into that top five area, especially in PPR because of his volume, the number three in targets. He can see that again for sure. And he was the alpha last year. But you know who wasn't the alpha last year, who has a chance to be this year, is CeeDee Lamb. Love it. Again, no one's talking about CeeDee Lamb. <laughs> Wink, wink. Guy? What was that that tweet that you said? Everyone's talking. You can't leave your draft without uh, disc sheep. <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, without disc sheep. Someone used the emojis for like a CD and then a lamb. Like, um, obviously. You got some good feedback on, sheep. That, on that response. It, disc sheep is now going to be CD Lamb's name on this show. Um, but CD Lamb. Oh, man. This offense. Look, we just, we just had a discussion about Dak. And just the potential of this offense throwing the number two could be the number one overall passing offense in the league this coming year. And CD Lamb was a rookie. I don't need to sit here and try to sell the case for CD Lamb based on talent. You know, could he? Yeah, we could easily see a path for him being the number one target and being on the number one offense in the league. That alone is enough. I could end the argument there. Yeah, he could be the number one overall wide receiver. But then an argument that I could hear is. What about Amari Cooper? There's too many mouths to feed in this offense. Oh, he can't do it. Well, Amari Cooper had 130 targets last year, and CD still saw 111. Ignoring any of the other players, okay? There's plenty of targets on this offense. There's plenty of food. It's a buffet, okay? All those mouths are going to eat. But those two, we could see a flip in their targets, and it would justify this argument even more. The top five... Number one overall wide receiver ones for the last five years. Yes, they averaged 163 targets and 108 receptions. I think that's a little inflated from Michael Thomas getting like 180 some odd targets or 145 receptions. Three of the, f the past five years for wide receiver one overalls and half point PPR scoring, they, they had fewer than 100 receptions. You know, Tyreek Hill. You had Mike Evans, um, DeAndre Hopkins, I think, was one. Um, but the touchdowns are the only thing that miss, that's missing. And remember what we mentioned earlier about you need an anomaly year. These guys don't have to do yeah. this every single year, but you have to be able to see a path to him getting, you know, the average was 12.8 touchdowns. So you have to see him getting 13 to 18 touchdowns. It, you know, all these wide receivers can do it. Tyreek Hill was the number two overall wide receiver last year, and he had 15. He doesn't get 15 touchdowns every year, but you need no. you need these guys, who, the teams, they want to get the guys the ball. You know, does Amari Cooper possibly make that possibility harder being in the red zone? Um, but again, you need anomaly things to happen. I think, yeah, but I think he also, I think the one thing that the other side of, of of the being the only alpha is the way that the defense can scheme for you. Right. You can't do that with CeeDee Lamb. You can't just, you know, move off of Amari Cooper. He'll burn the hell out of you. Yeah. Yeah, and we see, we see offenses every year with two top 12 wide receivers. 
Is it, is it possible that you know both of these guys could finish in the top 12 and CD be the number one overall? If the touchdowns come, yeah, he only had 74 receptions last year. But you give him an extra 20 catches and give him another 15 receptions, or you know 20 targets. Yeah, you, sure. You an upgrade from Andy Dalton is is there inherently in Dak Prescott, and he improves on the five touchdowns that he has as a rookie. Is it impossible that he gets the, to 13 touchdowns this, this year? No. Again, everyone knows CeeDee Lamb is about to absolutely explode. So I'm not worried about you know any downside. The, the floor is safe. What we don't know is where, where he can go. And I'm sitting here telling you that him being the number one overall wide receiver, if not, look, I'm just going to sit here. It, if it's not this year, it's going to happen in the next couple of years. The guy is just so good. Would you bet $100 that CeeDee Lamb catches 13 touchdowns? Yeah, I'd, I'd throw 100 at it. Yeah, for I, sure. I would. Absolutely. Absolutely. I feel like he could definitely have 13 to 15 touchdowns. Yeah, and you're playing with a superstar quarterback? It, it helps. <laughs> for sure. All right, running backs. Austin Eckler, does he have a path to – being the number one overall running back, what would it take? What would it take for that to happen? Obviously, it's a long shot, but is there a possibility if all things happen? Yes, there is. Here's why. You tell me, man. When we look at who can get into the top five and into that top spot, they almost always have to have a, a great amount of receiving work. Outside of Derrick Henry, you almost have to have that receiving work. Christian McCaffrey, Dalvin Cook, Alvin Kamara, all these guys are, are catching the ball at a high rate. Austin Eckler is in that group of elite pass-catching running backs. In 2019, he was seven yards shy of 1,000 yards out of the backfield, over 100 targets. That's the kind of volume you need to get into that top three running backs, especially in a, in a half PPR. Um, he was on pace last year to go over 1,000 yards out of the backfield again before getting hurt and on pace to get 120 targets. So it's not something that's going to change for him. He basically was back-to-back 1,000 yards out of the backfield. Same target volume as Alvin Kamara, who everybody thinks about. is He and, he and Christian McCaffrey, receiving-wise, are in a league of their own. Austin Eckler is getting the same volume as those guys. So what about overall touches? We've we've established that he can catch it out of the backfield with the best of them. What about overall touches? Because you're going to have to get a lot of work running the ball too, obviously. In his healthy games last year, he averaged 19.25 touches per game. Alvin Kamara, 17 touches per game. Aaron Jones, 17.7. Nick Chubb, 17 touches a game. These are all beginning of first, middle of first round picks that everybody's expecting to finish inside that top three or five. And he's touching the ball at the same rate, if not just a little bit more than they were. The volume is there. It's top five. It's elite volume. The final question is, what is he doing when he gets the ball? Because when those guys get it, it's problems for the, for the defense. What is Eckler doing with it? I'll tell you, Dustin, in healthy games, in healthy games, Austin Eckler, 15.5 points per game in a half PPR. How does that stack up against those same guys? Camara was better. Camara was better. If if you remove that six touchdown game on Christmas, which was a clear outlier for Camara, just give him an average. I w- yeah, it was a Christmas miracle. It was definitely a Christmas miracle. 
put the miracle aside, Kamara's 17.25 a game. So he's less than two points better than Eckler per week. Aaron Jones, 15, right there with Eckler. Nick Chubb, 15.9, right there with Eckler. Aside from Christian McCaffrey and Dalvin Cook, he has a shot to compete with all of the rest of these guys to get inside that top three into that third spot. And like we said, he's going to need an anomaly. That's going to have to come in the touchdown department, just like the receivers, just like the quarterbacks. Right. Those plays, hitting pay dirt is everything when you make that huge jump. I want to see that offense for sure. There's room for regression, for positive regression for Eckler in the touchdown area. He had one rushing touchdown last year as the featured back. If he's able to bump that up to anywhere near the rushing touchdown totals of the first round guys, kind of like what I was saying with Allen Robinson, just give him the average, give him a five or six rushing touchdowns. He's beating those guys because of his receiving work. So he's yet to have a full healthy season as the only guy in town after Melvin left. He's got that five or top five or six level. Um, now that he's healthy with Herbert into year two, their weapons around him with Keenan and Mike Williams. Keeping the defense honest, I think. I I want Eckler. If you if you're getting Eckler in the middle, anywhere past like 14th or 15th overall, I think it's going to be a steal. I I hope I get him so bad. Uh, I would I would pass up. I would pass up. He's he's so he's good. Slept on. Um, I I agree. Um, I mean, it's hard to say you're sleeping on him if you're getting him at, in the early second round. Um, but the dude is so mm-hmm. good. And look again, making the case for him to 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 slip into the top five again. You just need some some lucky breaks. You need you need a, a year where you're higher than way higher than you know the league average in red zone touchdown rate. Or you know you had a year a couple years ago where Mark Ingram caught like it was like he was catching a touchdown like at an insane rate on a team that does not throw touchdowns to the to the running back. You need a year like that, and for a guy who's going to see the two lion shares of receiving work from for a running back in in a season, the dude is going to eat. And man, it I I like the guy. I'm really excited to see see how it plays out this year. Much like my pick this year in Antonio Gibson. I love this pick. Much like the arguments you were just making for for Eckler, finishing outside the top 10 last year, it was his rookie year. Oh my gosh, I just I get so excited talking about the god, just the potential for Antonio Gibson because you were actually I got to give you credit. You were just as high, not not second round high, but you were so far ahead of the consensus feeling on Antonio Gibson going into last year's draft. You were like, I got to get this guy fourth, fifth round. I'm like, for what? And so now good. I say, Dustin, you saw the future, and now you get to explain why the future's here. Oh, I happily, 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 happily. So. Over, I just want to context for the running back position. I, I'm not just saying top five. I think he could get to a level of being the number one overall running back because overall the running back averages for the past five years, the number one overall running back has averaged 260 rushing attempts, 107 targets, and 20 touchdowns. You know That breaks down to 15 rushing touchdowns and four and a half roughly receiving touchdowns. And Again, another stat threshold we like to see is 2,000 total yards. And in, rook, in, rookie, in his rookie year, Antonio Gibson saw 214 opportunities. So 
he was about a hundred, um, about 150 opportunities short of what you'd see from a, a true number one overall running back. And he saw about 1,042 total yards. Look, the one caveat that I'm going to throw in here is that he's working with the coach that fed Christian McCaffrey. And I don't really like a whole bunch of coach talk and, oh, this guy's going to make he – he doesn't have Christian McCaffrey, so this guy's his new Christian McCaffrey. But there's already been talk about that type of role. And I want to talk about what that means because he does have that athleticism. He does have that skill set. He didn't have the receiving work last year. But they need different things from a receiving running back or a guy that's going to be a true three-down back that they didn't have last year. They had J.D. McKissick, who, was, who has been in the year for about five, six years, and he understands pass protection. He understands where he needs to be on that offense. And J.D. McKissick saw more than 100 targets last year, which is more than double his career high. That's not going to happen again. The argument for four Antonio Gibson being this guy is that he didn't see the volume his rookie year. Um, and I see that as an argument for him because that's that you can, that's almost not the same player that we had last year because he was his first year playing running back. He was a converted right. wide receiver from college. He was learning the position. So yeah, you have, you have written down that he was learning the position. He was literally learning how to play, running literally back. learning how to play <laughs> running back. And this is a guy who, look, yes, he's very talented, and he had a, a great year last year. He was a value. And save for being, you know, having turf toe, he would have finished the year pretty strong. And you're not going to leave a, a rookie, you know, in on the most important down that you need to convert when you have a guy who's been there for five years, understands what he needs to do in the offense, has the skill set that you're looking for on a third down. And why wouldn't you use that guy? The difference being now, a year with an offseason in second year in an offensive scheme has the skill set that the head coach is looking for, and a guy you know, who hasn't, in McKissick, who hasn't seen that volume consistently, he was used that, that way out of necessity last year. Keep in mind, off NFL offenses want to see a, a, a third down bell, a three down bell cow out there leads to unpredictability it, it doesn't signal what you're about to do on an offensive snap that's what you want it, you know even if he falls back uh if, if McKissick falls back to his averages that's an extra 40 rushes and roughly 45 targets to Gibson over the course of a season so it leaves a little bit more of a gap um between what you normally see in an average running back one uh, overall and what Gibson would probably see because that puts him at right about 210 rushes and 89 targets. So right around that 300 touch range. But remember he needs touchdowns. You know, you need an anomaly season. If I'm say, sitting here saying that he's going to be the overall running back one, I'm not sitting here saying, well, he just got to be average. No, he has to exceed that. And you're looking for the athleticism. You're looking for the potential to exceed that. And he had 11 rushing touchdowns. So yeah, could it regress back to the mean of being, you know, right around eight or seven? Sure, it could, but it, all, it could also stay the same. It could also mean that he gets receiving Go touchdowns. Up. He could have more touchdowns. He had 11 and no receiving touchdowns last year. He could get nine and six and still end up with four more touchdowns than he had last year. Um, there were a few catches, a few screens that he was an arm tackle right. away from taking to the because house. Because regression... Not yeah. one. I, I remember seeing it many weeks. He's so good. And again, I just I keep 
pointing out the note that I had is that you don't get an RB1 year from being at the league average. Regression's not linear. Just because he had 11 rushing touchdowns last year doesn't mean he's definitely going to get less. Look, McKissick was in there on downs that maybe Gibson will be in. I would say McKissick will probably fall back to the roles that he's had for the entirety of his career and not have 116 targets. Right. He's probably going to fall back into that 50 to 60 range. And Yeah, it won't be close. And Gibson, look, Gibson being even in the second round, early second round, I still see that as a steal because guys, like I look, I love Nick Chubb, but I still feel like Antonio Gibson will see the volume that Nick Chubb does and, so, and more receiving work. Look, you're going to tell me, look, if you, get, if you can get Nick Chubb in the second round, would you take him? Sure. But Antonio Gibson has that upside. And no, it, you're... Would you take Antonio Gibson over Chubb in the first? Personally? Yeah. <laughs> I, yeah. Personally, <laughs> yes. Because I, I just do... You, wow. It, that's that, that's going to be crazy. I, I mean, sitting here saying... I think he's got a good chance to finish ahead of Chubb. I really I do, do, too. I'm with I, you. Look, I love Chubb. Uh, Chubb is, is very talented. Chubb... Look, I don't have to sit here and try to make the case for Nick Chubb. But no, just, but the 70, 80 yard touchdowns that we've seen from Chubb once or twice a year. Sure. We haven't seen from Gibson yet. He hadn't had a chance to yet. He's just barely starting We're scratching out. The you give him one or Gibson. two of those and let him get the receiving work. I He's still- passing Chubb. I still think we're just scratching the surface with Gibson. You can hear me and how excited I am talking about him. Yep. This guy, I still think is going to explode. He, is he, quote unquote, more risky than Chubb? Sure. We've already seen what Chubb is going to be to that offense. He's the cornerstone of that offense. But Antonio Gibson, it, just because we haven't seen it yet, we're not sure he can do it. And I'm telling you, I, I am betting all in on Antonio Gibson being that guy. So you like him? I guess. Yeah. I, I would say... Right, it's a mild interest. Um, yeah, we could talk about Antonio Gibson for yeah. ten hours. But <laughs> Let's other talk guys some tight ends. Oh man, so tight ends. This was a hard. This is the hardest one. I think tight ends. I'm. I don't know why we saved this until last, but tight end is that position where look most of the time for it, look most of the teams in your league are not getting elite production from their tight end. That's just how it goes. There's a quarter of the tight like less there's eight and you're eighth. hoping for a touchdown there's like there's an eighth of the the league that has a solid rock solid tight end every single week the rest of them are hoping and so we're bringing up guys i don't i'm not gonna sit here and lie to you folks and say that these guys can be the number one overall tight end because you know what the things you need to happen for a tight end getting 140 targets they can't do it the offense don't the offense don't allow for it the things you look for in a tight end that I look for more so in a tight end is athleticism. And the, I'm just going to bring up the both guys that we're, we're going to talk about here. And we can kind of go back and forth, I think. Because your guy is Irv Smith. My guy is Noah Fant. They're both going you know, a little bit later in draft. I believe it's Irv Smith Jr. Irv Smith, sorry. Irv Smith Jr. Thank uh, you. He is very small. Thanks. Um, <laughs> and no. now these guys... They've got some interesting athletic profiles, sure, but that's what you want in a tight end. You know, the case for, for Noah Fant, obviously, is that he was he's a highly drafted tight end. You know, he's got great athleticism. He's a first-round tight end. He's not going to get to 130 targets, but 
I'm not making the case for him getting an extra 40 targets than he saw last year, um, especially with Teddy B, who's not a high-volume passer anyway. He's more of a game manager. The case for Noah Fant, in my opinion, is those extended touchdowns. I'm going to keep beating the, the case in point over the head that you need in an anomaly year. Could he get to 10 touchdowns in a year? Someone like Noah Fant with his athleticism and uh, offense with other studs? Absolutely. You know, he just has a year where he seems to be a red zone favorite, and he could do it. Um, and he's athletically comparable to his tight end uh, compatriot from Iowa, George Kittle. And he's coming into his third season. You know, a lot of narratives here that are really interesting for tight ends. I may, Again, maybe he becomes Teddy B's favorite in the red zone. We'll see. Um, but playing with Teddy B, who was able to support three top 25 wide receivers last year, Noah Fant being essentially a wide receiver, I'm interested. Uh, mildly interested if I miss out on a top tight end. Noah Fant is a solid option that could, you know, tight end, you know, touchdown dependent position. That's a guy that I, I could see myself leaning on if needed. Yeah, I, I think Fant has plenty of potential, especially, and same thing with Irv Smith. They're the kind of guys athletically, Irv is not a freak show athlete. He is a smaller tight end. But the way that they use him on yeah. slants and across the middle, if something were to happen to Thielen or Jefferson, probably Thielen would, would help Irv the most, is he's going to have to catch the ball. Like, they're going to have to use him. Um, yeah. And what I did with Irv Smith is a little bit of what we call statistical manipulation. <laughs> okay. And I took the four games... It's a four-game sample size. Mm -hmm. So a quarter of a season without Kyle Rudolph, what did Irv do with his opportunity? Oh, so, so it's like lying, but better. I'm, I'm using true actual okay. facts, <laughs> but I'm leaving out things that I don't want right. to talk about. They're slanted truths. Okay, I appreciate there that. There you go. Okay. So in his four-game sample size as the only tight end, 48 yards per game, how does that compare to the other two guys that I put up here? Robert Tunyon, 37 yards per game last year. Mark okay. Andrews, 50 yards per game last year. So he's right there. He's better than Tunyon in yards per game. He's right there with Andrews. Mm -hmm. What about touchdowns? Because we, when we think of Robert Tunyon and Mark Andrews, we think touchdown monsters. Right. And TJ Hawkinson was there at 45 yards per game last year as well. Yep. I chose to leave him out. Um, oh, wow. Because I hate him. Oh, <laughs> poor guy. What did um, he ever do to you? Touchdowns per game. Over that four-game stretch, Irv, 0.75 touchdowns per game. Robert Tunyon, 0.69 touchdowns per game. Mark Andrews, 0.5. So he's beating these guys at touchdown rate per game as the lead tight end. What about okay. how many catches they're getting? Is he getting enough volume to compete with this number four, number five, Tunyon, number three tight end from last year? Irv, 3.75 catches, almost four catches a game. That's more than Robert Tunyon's 3.25 and right in line with Mark Andrews, 4.1 catches per game. So his small sample size as the only tight end in that offense sure. shows you the potential is there. If you, are, if you can extrapolate it. I hate it. I hate the argument Over the course so of a season. I'm not going to extrapolate it, Can though. he do it? Yes, he I'm can. I'm not going to extrapolate that. I can't. 
Oh, look, look. It, what I did not do is go and and I did not go and handpick somebody's best four games of their career and no. say extrapolate tight that. Ends. I said the only games that he's been the only tight end on the offense. Tight ends are just look, they're gross. We understand. Irv Smith, tight end one, twenty twenty one. No, no. The tight end number one. Put the pound sign there. Yeah, if someone takes like a bunch of teams hostage <laughs> and like they don't ever get to play. Irv has a. St- that's what I'm banking Irv. on. <laughs> that's what you're banking on. Yeah, he could be kidnapped. If Kelsey Kittle, Waller, Hawkinson, if all these guys decide to retire, Irv could be the number one. Okay, see, that's a solid argument. I guess time will tell. Um, I guess we'll, what we'll see for Irv Smith. Irv Smith is interesting. It's, these guys have 12 days to make their career uh, right. decision if they would like to continue right. playing football. Yeah, yeah, the. Uh, yeah, it's still out. The, the jury's still out on whether those guys will retire before the end of the season. I guess we'll have to wait and see. Uh, okay, I, I don't want to spend a bunch of time talking about tight ends. I'm done. I'm done talking about tight ends. Let's talk about the, the final thing on our agenda today. Give me, give me, give me a, a Super Bowl pick um, that's, you know, we, we want to stay outside the top five betting odds. So don't give me Kansas City, Tampa. Buffalo, the Rams, or the Niners. Who's someone outside those uh, those teams that you see could potentially be in the Super Bowl or win the Super Bowl? I'm going to stick with the theme of the show for a few of our guys. The fact that I live in this city. Hard Knocks is in this city. I'm going no, with the not. Dallas Cowboys. It's finally time oh, no. to break the curse. The dry spell is it's- over. Wait, hold on. What curse? It's what been curse a long time, and everybody's expecting every all the Dallas fans every year. The boys are back. We them boys. The boys are back. How about them Cowboys? And it's always fake. Yeah, they say this that, year it's they not. They say that every year. Yes, they do. No, please. I'm in Dallas they do now. Say that every year. I'm a resident here. Wow, what? Have, and what the magic is real this year. I would just like to point out, you're a Dallas fan. You have a New York Giants helmet. Uh, this on is top, my right behind you. That's signed by the one and only Odell Beckham. I don't know if you ever saw that catch. Yeah, that's the only catch he's ever made, apparently. I like, think so. It, it, it was worth buying all... a signed helmet after that catch. Back to the Cowboys. Yeah, you can get. Did you right. see the drone footage of the tour of their facility? Oh, wow. That's... No, never mind. I, I completely take down all my arguments. They're 100% winning the Super Bowl with that tour of the facility. The drone pilot combined with Dak and Jerry's enthusiasm, I don't know how anybody's going to take him down. I'm, I'm going with the Cowboys. If I can't pick sure. any of the top five, my faith is in Dak and Zeke and CeeDee Lamb. Who you got? My pick is the Dallas Cowboys. Um, n- no. 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 <laughs> I was going to say, finally, no. you've come to I've your come senses. I've come to my senses, and I've picked a team that actually has a defense. <laughs> My pick for this year's Super Bowl is the Cleveland Browns. Excuse me a minute while I go and vomit. Oh, talk yeah, about well, a curse. Yeah, exactly. You go and talk about curses. Every, talk about a drought. like, what do you even know about <laughs> curses? Like, they, if, if sports never came to Cleveland, it would have been the best thing to ever happen to, to Cleveland. They'd be a much happier place. But the worst thing you could feed a city is hope. Um, but... The Cleveland Browns actually have a solid chance now. They don't have a, a superstar quarterback, but Baker Mayfield's probably the closest thing you're going to get in Cleveland. They have 
The, I like look, Baker. There's a lot of things that need to go right for any Super Bowl team, and they need to be healthy, one. And the Cleveland Browns have not been overly healthy. They lost their one of their top draft picks last year in, in, uh, in Greedy um, going down. Um, that was a couple years ago, I think. Um, Grant Delpit's back. You know, you've got, um, you know, defensive line. And now, they added Clowney. Clowney. <sighs> I don't know what to make of Clowney. Clowney's just a guy that floats around like he's a name. He'll help stop the run. I don't know. It, Miles Garrett is the he name. Was, he was really, really good in Houston. Opposite J.J. Watt, For he sure. was really good. But since then, he's just kind you of You put him opposite man. Miles Garrett, he's got, the, he's got a chance to be really good again. I'm excited to see this defense, but this offense especially. Look, there's weapons. There's names all around. Uh, that's something yeah. you can be excited as a Cleveland Browns fan. You have a chance because you have something. I, I think of Baker Mayfield as more of a game manager. Plus he can make some plays. He's got the weapons. Odell Beckham got to stay healthy again. Assuming health, Odell Beckham, the Jarvis return. Landry. You've got Austin Hooper still a solid tight end. And then those running backs, look, you can control the tempo of the game with Kareem Hunt and Nick Chubb. And just as a, as an overarching team perspective this is a solid team and in a division that's kind of up in the air are the pittsburgh steelers going to survive Bengals are nothing you know you can probably beat the the ravens they've shown kind of a propensity to fall apart in the playoffs yeah it's possible like i like it i like that's, the pick. that's the argument and cleveland be excited this this is a year that like, whatever happens this is probably the most excited you guys have been in years so congrats. I like it. I like both picks. Um, I didn't even think about the Browns, but after hearing you talk about them, they're going to be in the playoffs, and it's going to get real interesting. With that being said, that's going to do it for this episode of Losing Sucks. Be sure to follow us on Twitter, at Losing Sucks. Losing Sucks.